Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about don't take anything personally. Karen used to run an entire department for a state university. She managed hundreds of people and a six-figure budget. Then she transitioned into a senior role in the investment banking world. She found herself working for a boss who wouldn't let her authorize any expenditure over $100. Karen understood at first, but by the time our coaching began, she'd been in her position three years, and her boss still held her to a $100 limit, and she was steamed. Wouldn't you think I'd have earned his trust by now, she asked. I've given him every reason to trust me, but he obviously doesn't, or he'd let me manage my own budget. Oh, I said in surprise, you think this is about you? You bet, she said. If he thought I was trustworthy, he'd let me out of this choke collar. She pulled at an imaginary restraint. I asked, do you imagine if someone else were in your position, he'd give that other person a different authority over expenditures? Maybe, she said. Well, I don't know. But after three years, wouldn't you think I'd have earned his trust? I think you have earned his trust, Karen, I replied. I think this is how he manages. My guess is he does this to everyone. Well, it sure feels like it's about me, she said. And then Karen and I began a discussion about what it means to take things personally. Stefan was the manager of a small group. He was struggling with a very different situation, but also felt deeply personal. Stefan managed enormous amounts of data by walking around and talking to people about their work. Stefan's a good listener. Most people like talking to Stefan. One day, at the desk of a guy named Robert, Stefan was asking lots of questions as normal, and suddenly, Robert began to raise his voice, accusing Stefan of being a micromanager and a bottleneck and worse. Much to his regret, Stefan raised his voice too. It did not end up reflecting well on either of them. Nine months later, when our coaching began, Stefan still felt shame about the whole incident. Plus, the exchange had made him begin to doubt his own methods and intentions. During one of our first coaching conversations, I asked if I could show him something on his computer. He said, sure, and logged me in. I pulled up a review from the Los Angeles Times of a little movie called She's Out of My League. I read a particular section to him off the screen. Much of the film's good humor comes courtesy of lead actor Jay Baruchel. Nothing would work without the appealing Baruchel. I looked at Stefan and smiled. How'd you like to wake up and read that about yourself in the newspaper one morning? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? He gave a smile. My guess, yeah. Well, I sure think so. Anyway, now look at this. I pulled up a review of the same movie from the New York Times. Together, we read the critics' declaration that the movie was a dud, and the major reason it was a dud was because of the very same Jay Baruchel. I turned to Stefan. Imagine poor Jay Baruchel facing that contradiction over his morning cereal. Stefan said, well, I don't know which one I'd believe. 
aren't they both true? I asked. Well, how can they be? He replied. They contradict each other completely. But I said, if you're Jay Baruchel, it helps to think that neither of them are true. Someone else's opinion of you, which is all those are, it only feels true if you're taking it personally. You lost me there, he said. Huh, let me start with what actually happened. What happened is two movie critics went to see a movie. It would not be surprising if they attended the same screening. They might have even sat next to each other. They saw the exact same movie at the exact same time from almost the same seat, but one hated the lead actor and the other loved the lead actor. How do you make sense of that? Stefan shrugged, saying, They're different people. They have different tastes or different backgrounds or education. I don't know, gender, generations. I don't know. I agree, I said. Their opinions about poor old Jay Baruchel are actually about each of them, not about Baruchel at all. He's just the object they're projecting onto. So I think our friend Jay shouldn't take either of those reviews personally. I hope neither of them are true for him. I wonder if he can, Stefan said. Well, what about you, Stefan? What about me, he asked. What about you and Robert? You've been treating his review of you as if it's true. It's made you doubt yourself. Well, I just keep thinking maybe he has a point. I asked, you don't think maybe he's just a reviewer who didn't like the movie? He laughed. Are you saying I was the movie? I nodded and smiled. That is exactly what I'm saying. I call this acting on the corporate stage. Every day, you come to the office, you project out this movie called Stefan. You are the actor on the corporate stage. And everyone you come in contact with sees the movie. And every one of them can write a review. And Robert is just another reviewer. And there he is watching Stefan the movie. And for whatever reason, it upsets him. He writes a bad review. Does that mean you're going to recut your movie because of one review? Well, in that context, I suppose not, but I don't like that I lost my temper. Understood. Look, here's the thing. When you lose your temper, it's an indication that you are taking something personally. Well, it was personal, he said. He was really attacking me. I nodded, saying, like the New York Times, attack Jay Baruchel. He took in a breath to disagree and then stopped himself. I saw his shoulders drop. He shook his head and said, well, it sure feels personal. I said, can I show you one last thing? Okay, he said. I indicated I wanted the keyboard. As I pulled it over, I said, do you know the four agreements? He answered, it's a book, right? Right. The author's Don Miguel Ruiz. And this is a book that's a bestseller year after year after year. You know, here it is. Okay. This is what I was looking for. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. And here is something he says about that. Whatever people do feel, think, or say, don't take it personally. If they tell you how wonderful you are, they're not saying that because of you. You know you're wonderful. It's not necessary to believe other people who tell you that you are wonderful. He laughed, saying, like the L.A. Times about that actor. Right, I said, but he goes on. He says, don't take anything personally. Even if someone got a gun and shot you in the head, it was nothing personal, even at that extreme.
I looked at him and said, Even if someone shoots you in the head, nothing personal, and he means it. He said quietly, like Robert yelling at me. Over time, Stefan explored acting on the corporate stage. Thinking of himself as a movie he could write and direct helped him make better choices. Imagining feedback as movie reviews helped give him distance. Things began to feel less personal. Karen, with the $100 limit, came to believe her boss's tight grip on her was more about his conservative nature than about her own competence. The situation began to feel less personal. When Karen and Stefan took things less personally, they both felt happier and healthier. Not surprisingly, they also found themselves closer to the look and sound of leadership. People take all kinds of things personally, right? Let's suppose, let's suppose that there is someone who is angry because they got dropped off an email distribution list and as a consequence, they missed key information. Now they have a point, but they are taking it all very personally. It feels disrespectful to that person. They are pissed as if there was bad intent. Things like this happen, right? So when you're faced with someone taking something personally, I wonder how you respond. There are three sentences that can be great de-escalation techniques. They are really simple. Now, I'm going to string them all together, all three, but you might use them individually. But here they come. I completely understand why you're upset. I want you to know it was not my intention to leave you off that list or to hoard information. I'm really sorry. Three sentences. Each sentence does a lot of work. The first one is a peace offering. I understand why you're upset. The second states what your intention was or what it wasn't. It wasn't my intention to leave you off that list. And the third is just a simple apology. I'm sorry. In a real conversation, you might want to say one of those more than once. You might want to really turn up the volume on another one of those, whatever. But having those three sentences in your back pocket can be really helpful when someone takes something personally and their ire is aimed at you. I do wonder whether you experience this in your workplace. Are there people there with hurt feelings? People who take offense easily? Taking things personally shows up in some environments much more than others, and it can become the norm, right? I mean, look, some families take things personally with each other as their norm. That's how they interact. That's their system. Some teams do it with each other, and some departments do it with each other. One of the reasons I found the entertainment industry so exhausting is that it rewards behavior when people take things personally. I was part of the entertainment industry from the time I entered Juilliard at the age of 17, until I shot my last television show almost 30 years later. And I will tell you, I saw jaw-dropping displays of people taking things personally. Woo! So here's one that is just amazing. We were shooting an episode of a long-running television show. We were on the back lot at Warner Brothers in the middle of a really brutal heat wave. 
Everyone was miserable. We all just wanted to get the job done and get out of there. But suddenly, everything stopped. There was suddenly no activity, which is like you know being in an automotive plant when they suddenly shut the line down. There are thousands of dollars ticking by every minute, but everyone stopped working. Well, soon enough, the word spreads around that the lead actress won't come out of her trailer because she doesn't like the writing in the next scene. She refuses to come out and shoot this scene until the producers rewrite her pages and then bring them to her by hand from their offices across the lot. So the pages were rewritten, and we waited, frying. The entire crew, all of us, the director, everyone, because this woman was taking that scene very personally. That story is just so excessive, isn't it? I mean, it's a Hollywood stereotype, the spoiled actress having a temper tantrum. We hear a story like that, and we completely laugh it off, and we think, well, geez, I would never be anything like that. That's a monster. But, you see, I think when we take things personally, we all share one thing, all of us, including that actress. We share a sense of feeling justified in whatever we are taking personally. It makes sense to us, and there's a sense of rightness that makes it feel personal. So what can we do to help ourselves out when we're in the heart of our self-deception? I have an answer that I would like to share. But first, here in the United States, this past week, we had our annual day of giving thanks. And once a year, I take a minute at this time of year to thank the amazing team of people who make this podcast happen month after month. Five editors work on the writing with me. They are five friends. They devote their time. They do this just to be helpful and make my work better. In no particular order, they are Mindy Dana, Nancy Brewer, Graham Burns, Nancy Shanfeld, and Tom Mannheim. They've been at this for years. I'm grateful to them, and you benefit from them too. They add so much value. And then there's the tech team who gets everything up and keeps everything running month after month. Paul Eisen of Eisen Design and George Avellino. Guys, you are everything I could want as partners. Dedicated, creative, honest, high standards. You both are terrific. Thank you. And then there's all of you. All of you who write emails to me that are inspiring and moving. You post reviews in iTunes this month. Thanks go out to... Don Rashitha Jayasekara from the United Kingdom, Ashley Ubrahin from Australia, and from the U.S., Holly Lewis, Jeff in Ohio, and Peppy BB. Thank you all. To all of you, thank you so much. So the question I asked was, what can we do to help ourselves out when we are taking something personally? Here's a simple place to begin. When you're upset, it's guaranteed that by definition, you are taking something personally. I am not saying you shouldn't have your feelings. I'm saying use your feelings to help you recognize that you are taking something personally. And once you know that, freeze. Don't do anything. Don't hit send on that email or that text. Don't Give an ultimatum. Don't take a stance, at least not at first. Use your upset as a signal that you are taking something personally. 
just last week, I was replying to a colleague's email and I became aware that I was upset. I didn't know why I was upset. I just noticed that I was pounding the keys and I stopped. Using that idea that I just mentioned, I knew that I had to be taking some part of his email to me personally. I didn't know what I was taking personally. I just knew that I was. So I stopped and I figured it out. And as soon as I could see it, I could let it go. The email that I had begun writing was full of questions that asked for him to justify things. What was his thinking about this? And what did he want from me about that? But once I stopped taking his email personally, what came out was full of cooperation and goodwill. It was so much better to not take it personally. I have some resources to help you not take it personally. Before that, a quick confession and an invitation for your feedback on something. Depending on how long you've been listening, you may recall several years ago, I asked how you would feel about me repurposing some of my own content now and then. And overwhelmingly, you said, sure, go for it. Well, this month I did. Back in 2010, I had an episode called Don't Take It Personally. Well, this month is called Don't Take Anything Personally. 50% of that 10-year-old episode is almost exactly what you heard 50% here. Do you have thoughts about that repetition? If you do, let me know. So that's the confession and the invitation for feedback. Now, resources. One place to start, the four agreements. I know many of you have read it already. People find this book very meaningful. I found it very meaningful, the four agreements. You might also read the six pillars of self-esteem from Nathaniel Brandon. Nathaniel Brandon's first pillar of self-esteem is about creating a contract with reality. If you are living in reality, it's hard to take things personally. And of course, always available to you is the Look and Sound of Leadership archive. Related to this, you might use three filters on the archive. Managing yourself, perception, how you perceive yourself, and self-talk. If you want to dive into specific episodes, five that you might listen to are Acting on the Corporate Stage, Animating Your Persona, Don't Take It Personally, Self-Limiting Beliefs, and Taming the Wild Child. Everything's there for you on the Essential Communications website. It's EssentialCom.com. EssentialCom with two M's.com. Hit the podcast tab. You're in. That's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.